Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Totally football show today. International break special. Yoo-hoo. France face Ireland. How will they handle it? And another game with a bit of history. Scotland, England. Only the first ever international played. We talk Jurassic football. Look at this weekend's matches to watch. Discuss Ukraine, where Andy Carroll is now. And talk about jaw-dropping Jordan's non-pecuniary motivations. All that and more in this Totally Football show. Thursday, 7th of September. Hello, listener. It's an international break show. Woo! There you go. That's Tom Williams. Also here with us, Duncan Alexander. Hello. And Jack Lang. All right, Jack. Hi, James. It's international break. What do the tabs on your laptop say? Uh, Kazakhstan national men's football team is yeah. one. <laughs> it's right. anyway, That's probably it's enough. Not Let's ex- leave it Not there. as exciting as I'd hoped. Right. Wikipedia really does come into its own during an international break. Well, and I don't know who maintains the national team pages. Mm. The Wikipedia, community, but thank you. They're impeccable. They are impeccable. Hmm. Color coded mm. um, recent results, oh, which yeah? is a, a real time saver. Wikipedia gets, you know, a bad rep for Does certain. It? Well, in some places. Oh. Um, but I think for things like football and TV series, and, you know, it's a. Cycling, Duncan. Cycling. Very well. I was... You watch a stage of the Tour de France, and as soon as the fellas cross the line, you check yeah. his Wikipedia page, bingo, it's there in black and white. I was looking up something about Alberto Binder this morning, and oh, yeah. Wikipedia came good. So Best part of the national uh, team pages, and this is probably much too detailed for most of our listeners, squad, you got the squad, got the numbers. Below that, recent call-ups, ideal for a quick scan of who's missing. Because right. it's got all the people who have been called up in the last 12 months but aren't there. Mm. Absolute lifesaver. Jack Big Kazakh names out of the picture are there? You, like you wouldn't believe. Right. So many consonants. Right. <laughs> of course, today, the 7th of September, is a special day for what other reason, Tom? It's the final day of the Saudi Arabian transfer window. No way. So who knows what could come to pass? Who might be choosing to go there who in might, search of a new opportunity? Who might and be following no their hearts <laughs> yeah. between now and... Um, you're, you're a free agent. Sure. <laughs> S- sign me up. But uh, you mentioned this just before we started, listener, uh, Tom did, and uh, you, you talked about Mo Salah and how Liverpool's Mo Salah, Mo Salah running down, down the wing could be repurposed in the event that he were to go by the end of today. Uh, yeah, so a friend of mine was was pointing out that you can very easily turn Mo Salah running yeah. down the wing into no Salah, no Salah running, running down, down the wing, wing. That's which should opposition right fans want to, you <laughs> How know, right. goad uh, their Liverpool fans. Ordinarily, I wouldn't would have asked you to. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have asked you to bring that back up. But then you mentioned something else, which I thought was funny. Yeah, it's possibly apocryphal, and I can't remember where I heard this. But when uh, Leeds United sold Eric Cantona to Manchester United in November 1992. In their next league game, 
I think Leeds played Chelsea, and it was the Leeds fans who invented the famous U.R. Cantona chant that was then taken on by Man United fans. And in that game against Chelsea, uh, the Chelsea fans goaded Leeds by chanting U.E. Cantona. Brilliant. Where is Cantona? Which is which some is, of the best bilingual wordplay I've ever heard of. And I, mean, I really want to believe that Citation story. needed to quote citation Wikipedia. Is this just a way of plugging your book again? <laughs> Potentially, yes. <laughs> Very nice. All right, international break. You've uh, all earmarked some games for us to watch, which I'm looking forward to finding out about. It mostly means, of course, Euro qualifying uh, this weekend. It's been a while, so where are we at in the race for places at the Euros in Germany next summer? Well, the top two from each group will qualify automatically for the finals next summer. Germany are already there as hosts. Looking good to join them. England and Scotland, who've both won four out of four in their respective groups, including for Scotland, a win over Spain. And also France and Portugal. Portugal now under the management of Roberto Martinez, and they both won four out of four without conceding a single goal. Meanwhile, Poland and Sweden are among the surprise strugglers, having each taken just three points from three matches, as are Spain, who lie fourth in Scotland's group after defeat in Edinburgh. They're nine points off the lead, albeit with two games in hand. Top scorers in the qualifiers so far, who had Romelu Lukaku and Rasmus Hoyland on their bingo cards. Six goals each, those two, for Belgium and Denmark, although Hoyland could well have in increased that tally by the time you hear this, because Denmark hosts San Marino on Thursday night. Mm. Other key matches, we'll hear about loads of them, but uh, well, England, Ukraine, uh, France against Ireland. What, what do you think, fellas? Is there a game this weekend that catches your eye, Tom? I thought that I would focus on the Group B encounter between the Republic of Ireland and the Netherlands, mm. both of whom uh, have got their backs against the wall uh, in that they are off the pace. Ireland, who lost a crucial qualifier against Greece back in June. So that group is France, Greece, Republic of Ireland, Netherlands, Gibraltar. Um, France have won four out of four. So it's basically a three-way scrap between Greece, the Republic of Ireland and Netherlands for the second automatic qualifying berth. Um, although I think Greece and the Netherlands have both got alternative routes into the playoffs via the Nations League. Um, Ireland without Evan Ferguson, mm. who sadly injured himself while he scored that hat-trick against um, Newcastle at the weekend. And the Netherlands, who um, have been uh, struggling a bit since Ronald Koeman's return at the start of the year. They've lost three out of four, got thrashed 4-0 by France in their first qualifier lost both games in the Nations League finals, which they hosted, are missing Memphis Depay, Steven Bergwijn through injury, and who are going to have Brentford's Mark Flecken in goal because there is a, a bit of a goalkeeper shortage I see. in Dutch football at the moment. And so Ronald Koeman has announced that, that Mark Flecken is going to be given his chance between the sticks. Sounds like a crucial game, that one. Uh, where are they on points in that? So, as things stand, and this is before Thursday evening's games... Right, France, which is a biggie. France against Republic of Ireland. France-Ireland, yeah. Um, and that was a, actually a really close game, uh, the return fixture in Dublin in March. France mm. won 1-0, mm. but took an absolute worldie of a save from Mike Maignan right at the end of the game to deny Nathan Collins. It has been double marked at the moment. It's And that was Mignon's first big game after taking over from Hugo Lloris's 
as France's first choice number one. Um, so, you know, Stephen Kenny, the Ireland coach, has said that they will draw a lot of um, belief from that performance. But yeah, so France are pretty much looking home and hosed. If they win tonight against Ireland, there, I think they're practically like guaranteed a qualification. They are uh, 12 points top of the group. Greece are on six points. Ireland and the Netherlands both on three points, but the Netherlands with the game in hand and Gibraltar, I think we can probably rule them out. Okay. Well, that's lovely. When's that game on? Where can we watch it? That is Sunday evening. Sunday evening. Mm, Check local listings for details. Uh, Jack, what have you earmarked? Well, Finland against Kazakhstan. Have you? Have you really? Uh, I thought you were going with Combi Bowl. Yeah, I will. will. But yeah, I mean, just in that it's a kind of a top of the group clash. The Finland. The Finland uh, Kazakhstan, Kazakhstan. which you wouldn't necessarily have predicted before time. Well, because Kazakhstan are on the verge of qualifying for the first ever international tournament. That's right. They've also got a playoff spot guaranteed through the the Nations League already having been uh, sorted. So they've got kind of two chances at it. Both won three out of four games so far. Denmark kind of lurking behind and they face San Marino, so could leapfrog one of them. But yeah, I mean, Finland have only qualified for one tournament, Kazakhstan, none. And yeah, I mean, I I would be lying if I said I knew a lot about Kazakhstan, but right. m- the vast majority of their players play in the domestic league. That's part of the joy of exactly. a game like that. When When's it on? Is it on television at all? Uh, I'm not sure. Could be red button. <laughs> Could be a red button. Could be a red button. Press red button. See what you find. See what you find. But I mean, I I think what we are seeing in these um, qualifiers is some of the the positive effects of the Nations League in that, you know, countries who would traditionally have been whipping boys have improved by dint of playing competitive matches rather than just getting tonked, you know, all, all over the continent. And so you've got teams like Kazakhstan and Georgia and Armenia and Albania who are, who are punching above their weight. Right. Uh, Kazakhstan against Finland is on uh, Via, Play, Via Play Sports 1, I believe, in the UK at least. But you have to hurry because it's, it's today, as we record, Thursday. Mm, nice. Duncan. I've gone for a non- Euro qualifier game. Non football. Nice. Yeah, non football. Uh, no, it was sport. <laughs> um, no, I've gone for uh, Inter Miami's game with sports in Kansas City. Brilliant. A little because, bit of Leo Messi. <laughs> yeah, because it's big, right? Yeah. Having, it's been the biggest except, che- cheat code ever. Yeah. yeah, except isn't this the first game that he won't be playing for them? Precisely. Right. They now get to experience the joy of your best player disappearing on international duty. And uh, it's been quite funny to see Sergio Busquets has issued a rallying cry to the rest of the team to, to step up. Um, and it's, it sound, it's quite crucial because they have climbed off the bottom of the Eastern Conference, um, as I'm sure we all know. And they, they've got an outside chance if they keep winning of making the playoffs. Right. But they are shorn of the, of the big man. Slash right. medium size. <laughs> I mean, yeah. given they seem to play every two days, I think he's probably earned a break. Do you not find that every morning I look mm. on Twitter and it and I've just got, oh my god, Messi, and he's you know yeah. done another you know good good thing. Yeah, he's been doing well, but yeah, yeah, fair, fair play to him. So we'll see. So how far are they off making the playoffs, Duncan? So they are in 14th, tucked in between New York Red Bulls and Toronto. Okay. Um, how many how many teams get into the playoffs? Well, nine, essentially. Okay. Well, eight, but there's a playoff between eighth and ninth. Okay. I mean, they, they make it fairly, yeah, you know, I like that. there's an opportunity. It's no, it's no League One. They are uh, eight points off at the moment. With how many games to go? So they've got nine games left. Okay. So it's, it's a big doable. ask. Well... They get on a run. 
Which they have. Which been. they have been, obviously leagues, cup champions. But yeah, it'll be. It's been such a. You know, there's always been that thing about what would happen if you took Lionel Messi or Ronaldo and put them in a League Two team or League One team, and how would it work? And mm. um, yeah, it's been pretty, pretty impressive to see what he's been able to do. Uh, and now he won't be there. Early hours. Of Early Sunday hours morning. of Sunday morning. Yeah. Live from the Children's Mercy Park in Kansas. What? Every time you think you've heard every weird North American stadium name, there's a new children's one. Mercy, Tom. The mercy of children. Are the children, are you asking the no, children no, for in, mercy or are you showing them mercy? It's, it's their mercy. I think Miami are at home. It's their mercy. But yeah, it's yeah. Miami against Sporting Kansas. Yeah, but where are you looking at that on Google? Yeah. Yeah, Google switch it around because Europeans can't cope with the American system. It's, it, it makes it more confusing. All right. What's so, the Inter-Miami Stadium called? Uh, the DRV Pink Stadium. Um, Yeah. Well, it's every bit as exciting. Thank you. All right. I'm just going to throw out one myself. Uh, North Macedonia against Italy. Oh, yeah. Saturday against 1945. That's Saturday. That's Saturday at 7.45. Why? Well, first of all, it's Luciano Spalletti's debut. He takes over from Mancini, Roberto Mancini, who abandoned ship a couple of weeks ago uh, to become manager of uh, Saudi Arabia. But it wasn't for the money. No, he's following his heart. He, he he actually did make that point. No, I'm not doing that for money. Spalletti ticks a lot of boxes. Firstly, his teams generally play really nice football. And secondly, he cares. Uh, the Italian FA hastily floating a story where the 11-year-old Spalletti, upon witnessing the Zuri beating West Germany in, in the 1970 World Cup semifinals, asked his mother to sew him an Italian flag. 53 years later, he's pledged to carry that self-same flag with him onto the national team bench. Uh, however, he finds Italy, the Euro holders, of course, in a spot of bother. You'll recall that they missed the last two World Cups, most recent by losing a playoff against North Macedonia at home, which takes some doing. And they're in danger of missing the next Euros too because they're a third in their group behind England and Ukraine. And guess who Spalletti debuts against? Well, that self-same North Macedonia. Woof. Uh, North Macedonia, who were beaten 7-0 at Old Trafford by England back in June. So, you know, mm. But anyway, that's an interesting game to see how Italy perform under their new boss. Do you think that's going to work with him? I, th- I mean, uh, yeah, I think it will. I think there's a tremendous feel-good factor. I think that goal scoring, which was Italy's m- m- massive problem, will improve under him. I hope that Raspadori can find some of his Napoli form in the uh, similarly Azuri shirt. Uh, so, yeah, I think it will. I, uh, James Horncastle flags the, the character question, which is a valid one because uh, Spalletti's quite what the Italians would say, uh, were call permalozo. Uh, he, he kind of sulks a bit. He's quite a prickly character. And, and this is a, a job which, as far as I understand it, is a lot about the feels, you know. You only get a limited amount of time to work with players, so it's as much about the feeling that you can engender. But there's, there's a huge wave of goodwill for him coming back from retirement on his farm to, to aid the national team in this time of crisis after Roberto Mancini's hideous betrayal frankly. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Italy's second game is going to be on the 12th. That's at home to Ukraine at San Siro. Ukraine, of course, who have group leaders England to worry about first. And that's something we're going to talk about next. Hi, everyone. David Ornstein here. And I want to tell you about The Athletic's new bite-sized podcast, The Daily Football Briefing. If you're one of those people who are just too busy for a regular length podcast in the morning, this is right up your street. In just over 10 minutes, we'll bring you bang up to date with the biggest stories in football, 
all before you've finished your first coffee of the day. It'll be Matt Slater on a club's ongoing takeover saga, our club experts reflecting on big overnight matches, and let's be honest, me explaining those transfer stories that just won't go away. That's the Daily Football Briefing, every weekday morning, available wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. Listener, Wroclaw, Poland is the venue Saturday, 5pm UK time for Group C leaders England and their latest match against Ukraine. Ukraine now under the tutelage of former West Ham and Spurs man Sergio Redbrov. How are the team looking and... 561 days on from the start of Russia's war on that country. How much do these qualifiers mean? Well, joining us to tell us more, Irina Kozyupa in Kiev. Let me start by by asking you, 561 days on from the start of Russia's war and at the end of a particularly bloody week. What are these, how much do these qualifiers mean? Let me start with the football part because now uh, everything has like, much more much more wider meaning in uh, for, for Ukraine as football as well. Uh, from the football point of view, it would be great result, just fantastic result to get from this group to to the Euro. It will be shown in some way that Ukrainians fighters in in everything in every kind of uh, every sphere of life. So we expect from our national team a good character. We understand that it would be very difficult against England and then against Italy and actually in every in every team in the in the group. But we want to see the character, the spirit of that fighters from our football players on the field. We want to be just proud of uh, that football team and the guys who will who will be on the pitch. Mm. Reaching the World Cup would have meant so much, unfortunately for Ukraine. Just you just missed out losing to to Wales in that emotional player final back in uh, June of last year. This time uh, the prospects don't look too bad because two two teams from each group will go through, and Ukraine are three points clear of Italy in second place. the The game against the Italians, as you mentioned on the on the twelfth at San Siro, is is perhaps even more crucial than the England one. Except we also keep in mind this the other way to go to the Euro. It's like a league Nations League way, but mm. it, for Ukrainian national team, it's always difficult, much more difficult to play second game in a row. Uh, so now I think everybody is focused on that first game. We should put everything on that game. It will be like nominally a home game in Wroclaw. I was I wouldn't be in Wroclaw on that game, but I was uh, previous months on Usi, Alexander Usyk's fight against uh, like uh, Daniel Dubois in Wroclaw uh, on that the same stadium, and the atmosphere was very um, home for you, for our boxer for our champion. It was um, a great number of Ukrainian people on the stadium, and a lot of Ukrainian flags and a great support. 
So for Ukraine, it will be, we are not playing at home in our city or in our native stadium, but for sure the, the stadium will be in Ukraine in blue and yellow colors. And it will be uh, for Ukraine, for the, for the players, for the national team, a great like, support to get a good result. So at least I hope it will be a draw. I really hope it will be some points uh, at that game for, for Ukrainian team. Okay, 2-0 to England at Wembley, a game you, you were at earlier on this year. Since then, there's been a change in management for Ukraine with Sergei Rebrov coming in. Uh, he started with a 3-3 draw away at Germany and then won both of the two qualifying matches, although they were against North Macedonia and, and Malta. What, what, is, what does his arrival mean for the team and who are the players we should look out for? To be honest, the football world in Ukrainian waiting almost two years for Sergei Rebro to come uh, for the national team. For now, it's one of the best options for the national team to be a, a manager. Uh, he had a great experience as a coach in a in a football in a club. Uh, besides, it was his like a dream for a long time to be a coach for the national team. The conditions now it's mm, when he started his work for sure not the best, not the ideal because of the war time. The level of the national domestic championship is very low now. Uh, a lot of players uh, who are playing in a foreign championship as uh, English Premier League and the, the other leagues maybe have not so much like practice. Maybe they are not so in a good shape before this game. Uh, but he really made a good job. He's not for a long time still with the national team, but he and his uh, coaching team really, really made a good job. They know what to do and... Uh, it's actually the right person with him. The national team could uh, could have great result. I really believe in him and his his project. After the game with Macedonia, when they just turn uh, turn the game during the match, uh, because also they wasn't everything like very good in in the first games uh, with him. But he can turn the game. He has something like he could motivate the players between the after the first half. Uh, uh, he is um, really the man on the right place. So I really believe that he could uh, make some uh, sensation with uh, the, the Ukrainian team in this group and in these games. I know that Mudrik uh, is uh, maybe not showing his best game in the Chelsea for now. We also expect that he would be progressive more quickly and to show better level of game but for the national team he was really good at last games he was like very confident very helpful for for the national team so maybe you know the, the blue yellow colors make him change to, for for that two games and he will surprise uh, you and me and all uh, all the football fans and show really his truly talent and his skills magnificent Irina, best of luck then for uh, Saturday and then for the, the rest of the qualifying and, and hope to speak to you again soon. Uh, thank you very much for the, for your time and also want, want to, to add that such a games, it's more than a football for Ukrainians now. It's also like a chance to say thank you for the all UK, for the Great Britain and England and English people for all support and uh, for all help you you give us as a country. As a, and also it's a chance to to show all the world that uh, war is still continue and uh, that's why we we forced to play in other countries not in in our homeland 
Yeah, but, Irina, I, I have to say, uh, I think the support of everyone is uh, is total, and and a lot of people would say that it's it's Ukraine who deserve a lot of gratitude from everybody else because of the the role they're having to perform right now in terms of trying to stop uh, something that's so very wrong. But uh, thank you so very much for being with us today, and best of luck for everything. And uh, we look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thank you very much. Have a nice day and have a good game. Oh, as for England, well, it's kind of touched on there. They are flying in Group C. They're actually the top scorers in any of the qualifying groups. They've had 15 goals already, only conceded the one. There's no Trent, Alexander-Arnold, no Jack Grealish in this squad. Who is in it? Uh, Levi Colwell. Mm. Ed and Katia. Mm. All right. No Raheem Sterling. No Raheem Sterling, somewhat controversially. Um, who else got overlooked? I feel like there was there was there was some gnashing of teeth. Well, I'll tell you who is in it, and that's out. Calvin Phillips. All right, well, that's which is surprising, really confounding. I mean, it, he's fresh. He, he's certainly fresh. Like, he basically hasn't played football in what eighteen months. Is there nobody else in that role? Well, I don't know. You, I I think anyone who's starting regular matches would mm. probably feel they deserve a spot. Right. I mean, I have often made this point on the pod before that in international football, having players who the manager trusts and who know the system is, you know, of fundamental importance. And that is why managers like Gareth Southgate show loyalty to the same players over and over again, often irregardless of their form and the form of of other players in their position. And when you consider the success that England have enjoyed in, in recent years, you you can see the fruits of that. That said, I think this particular squad announcement has really stretched that because mm. you've got Calvin Phillips, who's basically gone missing at Manchester City, Harry Maguire, who doesn't play for Manchester United unless literally every single defender is, you know, on a, a treatment table somewhere. Jordan Henderson's in there as well, yeah, isn't he? Jordan, um, yeah, yeah. You know, now playing in Saudi Arabia. Is he? Yeah, has, has that not been? Uh, has that not come up? <laughs> Sterling being overlooked despite a very good start to the season. Um, I mean, you know, England will qualify because that's what England do in in qualifying mm. campaigns. But it, this, yeah, this this kind of ceaseless loyalty for players who aren't even I mean, playing league football is a little bit strange. England don't have a load of players in Kevin Phillips' position. I think that's the the defence probably. I mean, Maguire is probably a, a strange who, who, one. Who, who would you have called up in his place? Calvin James Phillips. Ward Prowse. Okay, mm. as a as a contender, mm. playing regularly, mm. handy right foot. Duncan, you're not sure. They're not exactly. Not, not quite the same. Player. Not exactly the same. True. Oh, okay. Um, and Will Prowse has started the season very well, mm. but I think he's, I don't know, he's never really quite impressed Southgate. I think. So okay. I think Tom's right. There is a, but isn't you should never just pick an international squad based on who's doing well in the Premier League and other leagues, but. But yeah, I mean, Camford is probably... England have got Declan Rice and Jude Bellingham, which is a decent starting pair, I would say. Mm. They've also got Bagara Saka. I mean, you talk about players the manager can trust. How about Saka, who's been voted England's men's player of the year for the second year in a row? He's got four goals in his four games in qualifying so far and has now been nominated for the Ballon d'Or. Ooh! Coincidentally, there's a special podcast out today from The Athletic telling Saka's story, entitled Bukayo Saka, colon, Arsenal and England's star boy. Have you seen Eddie Nketi's not got a, p- a picture on uh, on the England squad? Oh, Ooh, man That's of mystery. Hmm. I wonder who that silhouette is. It's not Eddie Nketi. Is it not? Is that Michael Lavin? 
good. Also on The Athletic, there's an interview with Jordan Henderson. Might we see Jordan Henderson in action after that interview that he gave to David Ornstein and Adam Crafton that was so well-received? Might we? Well, I mean, Southgate isn't spoilt for choice in central midfield. Um, And if you look at the team that he picked for the last game against uh, North Macedonia... Trent Alexander-Arnold played in midfield and it was the first time we'd seen him playing in that new role that he's been taking up for Liverpool since the end of last season. He's not around. um, And then apart from that, yeah, obviously Declan Rice starts, Bellingham starts, and then it's a choice between, if you you go with another centre mid, Calvin Phillips, Conor Gallagher or... Jordan Henderson, so on, you know, mm. seniority and, and having, you know, proved his, his worth in an England shirt, I think Henderson's probably in with a in with a shout. Well, it's good of him to take the time out from growing the game in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh Jack. Jack. So uh, you've read the interview that he gave to uh, Adam Crafton and David Ornstein, uh, which is uh, listen, is well worth uh, checking out. Also, I would if you want a kind of point by point rebuttal of pretty much everything Hendo says in his interview. Also read Dave Tickner's piece on Football 365 in which Dave points out that the Saudis aren't showing tolerance by signing an LGBTQ plus ally, as Hendo seems to suggest. They're actually showing their power. Look how easily we can buy out your so-called values and beliefs. It is an extraordinary interview in which he repeatedly stresses he hasn't gone for the money, but the opportunity as if, I don't know how many clubs in how many other leagues wouldn't have given him a I think a tremendous opportunity yeah I mean I think you have to applaud him for wanting to do the interview and and, and doing it with journalists who he knew would would give him a grilling which 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 they did Um, but it's a pretty disastrous decision from a PR perspective because he doesn't come out of it well he can't really provide any satisfactory explanation money is clearly a a motivation um, and why shouldn't it be because you know, everyone else in the world is allowed to be motivated by money when they make their career choices. It's obviously a factor in his decision to go there. And his refusal to even countenance that and, and just come out with, you know, the tired old, you know, grow the game, new opportunity, exciting chance to live in a country that I've always wanted to live in. Okay, yeah, exactly and also say that, but I mean, it, it just that... rings e- extremely hollow. Yeah, uh, he's, he's essentially he's moved to a country where protests or even posting on social media can see you sentenced to death where being not heterosexual is a crime uh, and obviously this is in complete contrast with his previous support uh, for the lgbtq plus uh, community and i mean i think you know whether whether it's lgbtq plus or, or any other number of of, of issues that it's it's a pretty disastrous uh, place in terms of human rights but a lot of people are happy just to ignore that and go and play football and that's their their choice but to suggest that it's not for money does seem extraordinary um yeah i guess that's maybe i mean i don't want to get into the hendo brain but maybe that's what you have to tell yourself if you make a decision like that but hey hey tom on a lighter note speaking of uh, former liverpool stars playing in strange foreign leagues tell us about andy carroll yeah, so this is one of the uh, the late transfer window moves that may have escaped people's attention. But yeah, Andy Carroll has joined Amiens. From where? The, where was he before? So he was at Reading okay, yeah. um, last season, still under contract, but decided that he fancied life in 
in northern France. Um, he is replacing another former uh, Newcastle favourite uh, in Papi Cissé, mm. um, who was banging in the goals Amiens last season, but was released over the summer. So Andy Carroll has come in to step into his shoes. And yeah, there was a, a fascinating announcement video of Carroll sort of pacing around the Amiens stadium. And then the camera zoomed in on him mm. and he just said, in a, you know, his quite strong Geordie accent, j'ai dit oui. J'ai dit oui. Like, I said yes. But it, but I'd, I also saw that clipped up and just separate. And it was just Andy Carroll just standing there saying j'ai dit oui. And I had to watch it about 10 times before I could understand what he'd said. Um, Geordie Wee. Geordie Wee, yeah. Uh, anyway, in, in France, they are fascinated. Are they? Uh, at having this, you know, this this big, is rugged, well, bad boy footballer. No, I mean, yeah. he's well known in the sense that the Premier League is extremely closely mm. followed in, in, in France. Uh, the headline in the L'Equipe article about his arrival was Carole Old School. Uh, and it described him as personifying the English football of yesteryear. And, I mean, he is he is kind of following in a tradition of battering Ram centre-forwards from mm. these shorts going over to France. Mark Haightley in the right. late 80s. I thought you were going when, back to, like, you know, King Henry. and. I mean, if you want to take it that far back, James, you know, be my guest. But, yeah, Mark Haightley went over to Monaco in the late 80s, won the league alongside Glenn Hoddle right. under Arsene Wenger. Uh, yep. Tony Cascarino mm-hmm. went, got Marseille up out of Ligue 2 after they'd been relegated okay. over their you know, naughtiness uh, yeah. in the early 90s and then became a, a hero at Nancy. So there's always been a fascination in France for this particular type of big, Le big man. Rugged, Le big man, basically. And, mm-hmm. and you know, the, the, new big, the new Le big man is... Andy Carroll. Do they come any bigger? Possibly not. Amiens, um, you'll be excited to know, are currently neck and neck with Caen at the top of Ligue 2. So promotion push very much underway. And it's a nice little synchronicity that it's happened this week. So obviously Andy Carroll, probably his peak for England was scoring at Euro 2012. I thought you were going to say it's good it's happened this week because the Rugby World Cup is starting. <laughs> well, is it? I wouldn't know. Um, <laughs> bit of Amiens trivia. Home to France's largest Gothic cathedral for fans of of Gothic Gothic cathedrals and also birthplace of France President Emmanuel Macron oh really so you know stuff's happened there stuff has happened stuff will be happening the big small man the big man there there we go there's Andy Carroll's little man Mm. anyway all right. Uh, oh I should mention that um, we've got our own exclusive chat with Jordan coming up ourselves which we'll be asking him the tough questions that's Jordan Campbell uh, on Scotland the strange land where football is growing. Uh, why are we doing that? Well, because England are playing the Scots coming up on Tuesday. We'll get on to that next. Hi, I'm Ayoa Kimwalere, host of the Athletic Football Podcast. And I've just been joined by Adam Crafton and Liam Toomey to talk about Michael Modric's stuttering start to life at Chelsea. The unorthodox training regimes, his love of gaming, damning statistics and much more. Available now on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places. Just search for the Athletic Football Podcast now. We're sponsored for this episode of The Totally Football Show by Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform helping you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. 
Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, which is up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. Plus, you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. And what's more, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 support is there to help your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Now, because you listen to The Totally Football Show, you can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash totally, all in lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash totally to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash totally. We're all driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. According to their own survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. Remember the last time you were hiring and how slow and overwhelming it was? Well, you don't need to go through all that again. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent. And because you listen to The Totally Football Show, Indeed is going to give you a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash totally. That's I-N-D-E-E-D.com slash totally. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed at Indeed.com. You're listening to The Totally Football Show with James Richardson, the Sports Podcast Awards Soccer Podcast of the Year. England take on Scotland on Tuesday night at Hampden in a match held to mark the 150th anniversary of their first encounter, which was on St Andrew's Day in 1872. Hang on a second, that's 151 years ago. But hey, it was recognised by FIFA as the first international football match ever played. Basically, all this stuff began that day, St Andrew's Day, 1872. What was it like? Did people say, Egad, sir! Just when the FA Cup campaign of the first Surrey Rifles or Hertfordshire Rangers were getting interesting, newfangled international <laughs> break besets us. <laughs> yeah, people were um, tweeting international football was in the mud because it ended nil-nil. But, in um, the mud, actually. It had been raining heavily three days, reports suggest. It was... Uh, different times, Duncan. Very different. Different tactics as well. I read that the two sides lined up thusly. Scotland had two fullbacks, two halfbacks, and six forwards. Mm. England countered with one fullback, one halfback, <laughs> and, and eight, and eight forwards. Very like six-year-olds playing football, but also and it, still finished nil-nil. Well, and it still finished nil-nil. It, it, remarkable. It kind of gave England a de facto offside trap because you had to have three players between the ball. Did you three players? Three players between you and the and the yeah and the goal at that point in the offside trap. So Scotland did. They might have scored at one point, but back in those days there wasn't a crossbar. There was a tape and the. And the line judges or umpires, whatever they were, decided that the ball had... A bit like when you're playing in the park with your friends. And it's right. like, that was it. No, it went over the coat rather than inside the coat. Right. Similar sort of vibes. Were they Azerbaijani, these? Possibly. Very possibly. But I do think we've, they've, missed a, they've missed a chance with this anniversary game to bring back some of those rules. Oh, yeah, for sure. It would have been good. Eight forwards. Yeah. He's and a, of course, he's a heavy old ball. Heavy ball. Yeah. Ah. Steel toe caps yeah. in the boots. Well, that's a misnomer. And they also Balls have always been the same way. 
Not when they get wet, presumably. Not when they get wet. But, but still, that's interesting. So balls have always the, been the, the same. The, the required weight of a football has been the same since the 1880s. Good Lord, this was before the 1880s. True, right? they could have been a rogue ball, but I mean... Look at the illustrations. The ball looks really weird. Also, their costume, they're <laughs> the wearing like a, They look like a kind of harlequin, but a monochrome yeah, harlequin. They've got like a pointy it. hat and yeah. stuff. I don't know why that's, that, that ball thing has blown my mind. Like, obviously, it's, logically, you wouldn't want to, you know... The, the technology of water uh, yeah, displacement has improved, but the, the yeah, so but it's one of the big misnomers of. Football. I feel like the person who's, who's just got tricked by that ton of bricks versus a ton of feathers thing. <laughs> What's that? Why well, does that work? Andy Kidd. Oh my. Yeah. <laughs> uh, of course, in that that mm, first game, yeah. Scotland showcased their their famous and much vaunted passing game. Passing game. Whereas yeah. England were much more lump it to one of the eight forwards well, and think... just let them deal with it. And so you know, thereby establishing establishing a tradition of England being technically outperformed by yeah. every opposition. As I understand it, this, ever faced. this is possibly from Jonathan Wilson's uh, excellent inverted pyramid, but in those days it was regarded as a matter of honour that w when you have the ball, you proceed with it. You don't shirk your responsibility. No matter how many tackles might fly in at your unprotected shins, and passing it was seen as weak-willed and in some way... Uh, or at least it was an passing a responsibility. I think if, if you could go back in time in a time machine and watch the game, yeah. possibly a waste of that technology, but... Um, <laughs> all right, no... Don't worry. Um, but I think it would be a very... It might almost look more like rugby than football at Do points, think? I think. Yeah. Mm. The forwards roaming the fields in packs is, is what we read. Scotland won a defensive corner kick after England's attackers kicked the ball over the goal line. That was part of the old Sheffield rules. Yeah, so at this point, the football hadn't decided on a, on a specific code. So there was like okay. a public school set of rules that England mainly followed. Uh -huh. Then there was the, the Sheffield rules where it had grown in, in Sheffield. And Scotland were more following those rules. So it, it was a very kind of fluid time for the game. Also, the throw-in was awarded to the first team to touch the ball down after it went out of play. Mm. So if the ball goes out of play, the, what? The first team who picks it up and, 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 and claims it gets the throw-in. Yeah, and goalkeepers could handle the ball pretty much everywhere at this point. It, it was very different, but like I said, the idea of um, Jordan Pickford being allowed to handle it at any point on the pitch Brilliant. next week would, would be exciting. I think so. Uh, also, there was a break for half-time only because no goals had been scored in the first half. Can you explain that? Um, I, oh, I, don't, I assume they'd have just because... No, I can't. <laughs> 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 well... If you I, can read it, I guess they touch. played on longer yeah. because there wasn't a goal, and because they, they, they eventually just did half time. But I mean, right. what are these Victorians? What are they like? Extraordinary. Anyway, 150 years on, what are the prospects for this latest meeting given that Scotland are absolutely flying right now? Well, joining us to tell us more, it is the Athletics' Jordan Campbell. some engine on him, Kieran Tierney, he timed that perfectly now, can he pick out the killer pass? Jordan, thank you so much for joining us, uh, this England game, tremendously exciting, um, also you've got a proper qualifying match coming up on Friday before that against Cyprus, and I mentioned the fact that Scotland are flying, have been for some time, what is it, 10 qualifying matches in a, in a row Scotland have won, including most famously that victory over Spain. Yeah, I think the, the Spain victory was, you know, a shock to everyone really, but I think that's been the catalyst for, for what you've seen in the last three or four uh, qualifying matches. You know, Steve Clark 
didn't have a great first 10 games to his, his tenure and then everything just seems to have clicked. Um, I think after the Euros, there was maybe a bit of hesitancy about whether he could really take them to the next level. But, you know, over time he's built a team and slowly these young players have all grown together and gained experience. And you're seeing people like Billy Gilmore now past 20 caps in the last couple of years. So these these players have been together for a, for a while and I think the experience that they've gained together has has made him a really difficult team to beat. Um, there's a lot of people that say he's a he's a defensive manager, but people who have worked with him really strongly dispute that, and they say that you no, know, he builds foundations, and then over time, you know, he becomes a little bit, you know, increasingly more ambitious. And I think that's what you're seeing now, to the extent that if Scotland win on on Friday night, I think they're all but there. Um, it's always a bit scary saying that as a as a Scotsman, because if there's one country that will find a way not to qualify. It's uh, Scotland, certainly, when they have to play Georgia, who have been a, a thorn in the side in the past. But I think five wins out of five would surely see them home and hosed. And, you know, I actually think there's a bit of, not even optimism, but a bit, bit of belief that they can cause England problems next week. So, um, yeah, I think everyone's looking forward to it. Um, going to Hamden as well, where, which used to be a bit of a, um, became a bit of a cemetery for, uh, for Scotland for a long time. So, yeah, to actually be looking forward to going there and there being a good atmosphere is, is a massive, massive change. In terms of the qualifying, you're eight points clear at the top of Group A, although you Georgia in second place, eight points back alongside Norway, do have a game in hand on you. So you mentioned Billy Gilmore, who's been uh, pretty important. Scott McTominay as well, although he's a bit of an injury doubt this time around. Yeah, I mean, Scott McTominay is a weird one with Scotland because he's never really found his, his position, but in this qualifying group, he's definitely came into his own in, in midfield. Um, all started off for the Cyprus one, you know, where he came in and, and got a couple of goals late on just to, to seal it. So, um, you know, him in there with, with Gilmore and McGregor's, they've struck a really good balance. Um as always with Scotland, it's just have they got enough up up top? But you know, Che Adams is is the guy they rely on. Um, they could probably do with another couple of options. That's the big difference. But if you look at the squad that that Clark announced when he took over, it was I think it was five, maybe six Premier League players. It's now up to twelve, thirteen playing in the top five leagues of, of Europe. When you include some of the boys in Italy, like yeah, they're doing really Ferguson, well, even Hickey's come back. But you get Tierney in Spain now, so. The level these players are playing at is a is a big difference to a lot of the Scottish based players they had a few years ago. So I think that exposure has, has really helped them and, and obviously Gilmore's back playing playing regularly, which Clark is a massive advocate of. If if you're not playing regularly then no one's guaranteed to to be in. But yeah, McTominay's really come into his own in that sort of box to box role. Scotland made it to Euro twenty twenty. How long was it then since you'd qualified for a tournament? Yes, it'd have been ninety eight. Yeah, so right, I was born in '96, so you can see I've had a very sad life <laughs> growing 22 up. 22 years yeah. though, or 23 actually, because it wasn't played yeah. till 21 that 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 tournament. But now already looking set, fingers crossed for yeah. another. Hopefully this time Scotland would do a bit better as well. Yeah, it was a it was a bit of a damp squib when we got <laughs> when we got there because a you just had to go to Hamden, so it wasn't really you didn't really right. get to go anywhere, um, and then Wembley, but. Uh, yeah, it just felt a bit like it, you could see it was the first tournament, you know. But I think they're they're peaking at the right. You know, all these players are like between twenty one, twenty eight. They're all peaking at the same the same time. So mm. I think if not next summer, I think they could make a dent next summer if they get there. But I think the World Cup as well. That's got to be the next goal is to get to a World Cup. Um, but I definitely think the experience they're gaining together is a massive thing. Like 
it was disappointing the way they performed against Czech Republic. It was just a little bit long ball and it looked like they got a bit of stage fright. But the way they came down to, to Wembley and sort of everyone was a bit dejected and put in a great performance against England. Right. Could have probably nicked it with a couple of the chances. It was quite a tight game. Um, the only team to start England scoring, I think. I think so, yeah. yeah. So um, I think if they can get a goal against England, then, right. you know, we, we, all bets are off. But, you know, I, I, I do fancy them because... To cause England problems. Okay. I think. This should be an amazing atmosphere. Yeah, it'll be great. Because the last time at Wembley, it was only it was only half full because it was still sort of coming out of right. COVID. So it was loud, but it didn't feel like a proper rivalry. But I mean, you've seen the two-two game um, at Hamden a few years ago with Griffiths and the, yeah. the, what Hamden can be like when it's really um, when it's really on on top form. So okay, fingers crossed that there'll be one fullback, one centre <laughs> centre half, and. Uh, Eight forwards. Cyprus before that then, and that's a key game. As you say, five wins out of five and you'd really be set. I wouldn't mind Cyprus scoring, though, given that they're now managed by uh, Tamarikit's buyer, who would presumably <laughs> kick the, uh, wreak kick damage on <laughs> the surroundings were that to The happen. potential for damage is so much higher now because they're all ele- electronic. Oh, yeah. Someone someone did it the other week. They kicked it and there was like a... just a smoke a, and a, stuff. A gl- no, it just glitched out. Like So there was like a... I, I wondered whether I can't remember who it was. Sorry, that I wondered whether the you know the sponsors, right. the stadium managers would be probably quite annoyed. It's probably quite a few grand's worth of damage <laughs> yeah, to replace them, and they're not cheap, are they? Uh, anyway, uh, there you go. Brilliant stuff, uh, John. That's magnificent. Tuesday night then, and so maybe next Thursday we can catch up again. Yeah, well, celebratory catch up. That's <laughs> no, it. Just yeah, fun. I'll still be celebrating. <laughs> Jordan Campbell still to come on this Totally Football Show listener Tom will be telling us what he now knows about the Premier League that he didn't know four weeks ago and also he'll be talking about Wales we'll be hearing about some other games internationally speaking that's happening this weekend also the start of World Cup qualifying for 2026 in South America It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. All right, Tom, Premier League on a break after four games. What did you not think was the case in early August that you do now? I thought uh, Manchester United's midfield Mm. would be more existent than it has proven because it has looked quite non-existent, Mm. um, particularly in the first two games against Wolves and Tottenham. I remember feeling quite confident when they announced the signing of Mason Mount that, you know, regardless of what they might look like in an attacking sense in midfield, with Mount and Casemiro and Bruno Fernandes, they would be sort of a very difficult team to play through, you know, like physicality-wise, they'd be fine, a lot of industry, a lot of energy. And then within minutes of kickoff in that first game against Wolves, Mateus Nunez is just sort of moonwalking his way through these massive gaps in in midfield um and obviously they've ended the um the transfer window by bringing in Sofian Amrabat from Fiorentina 
Um, and I, I suspect they would have looked for a player like that anyway because they needed to replace Fred. But it felt like quite an urgent transfer as a consequence of, of how badly they played in, in those first couple of games. So that, that was one thing that... All right. All right. Oh, Duncan, here comes one. Uh, I thought the promoted teams would do better. They look not right. bad. Um, with only one Premier League season, 97-98, where all three teams have gone straight back down. Is that right? Only one Premier League season seen all three teams yeah, go straight back down? Yeah, and obviously last season all three stayed up, um, which is a little bit more common. Um, I, I think Burnley will improve. They've had a very hard start, albeit all their games have been at home. Mm. Um, I think Luton m- could find their feet. I mean, um, it's early doors, isn't it? It is. There's a long way to go. And Cameron Archer looks quite good. Yeah. He did look good in his debut for Sheffield United. So, but it is... Um, recently, the gap hasn't been too big between the two divisions, but it looks quite big at the moment. Okay. All right. Jack, you you, you prefer to wait and see, don't you? Yeah, small sample size. Small sample size. All right, let's return then to the international games because, Tom, Wales... I've got a big game against Latvia on Monday. This evening, though, they're taking on South Korea. Where's that? Is that home or away? Where's that, that going to be played? is at home, Ooh. and there are fears of is a he... historically low attendance. Oh. Because after many years of good vibes, right. Wales right now are very much bad vibes. Will uh, South Korean manager Jurgen Klinsmann be in attendance? Will he be doing this by Zoom like he's been doing all the rest well, of his Well, he, d- he does tend to Zoom in where possible and right. it is only a friendly so right. we perhaps shouldn't rule it out. Um, even Rob Page, the Wales manager, has admitted that he would rather not be playing this game. <laughs> really? Uh, what did he say? He said, I'd rather not play it. Being <laughs> completely honest with you. That's what he said. That's good paraphrasing uh, from quote. you. Where, yeah, so basically Wales... I think it's being played at the Cardiff City Stadium. Hmm. Um, but there were fears Home of, of uh, Aaron Ramsey, the uh, the Wales captain, who's been banging them. Well, he's scored two goals in three games for Cardiff. He has one of which was an absolute screamer. Was it? On which his, one was that? His second home debut. I can't remember. Okay, but the, the sun was shining and it was into the left hand goal on TV. Mm. Um, but yes, basically Wales made a decent start to qualifying, rescued a totally undeserved draw away to Croatia beat Latvia, were looking good, and then in June, disastrous 4-2 home defeat by Armenia, Mm. and then a 2-0 defeat away to Turkey. Uh, So this Latvia game on Monday is a must-win, but even if they do win that, it's not looking good. Croatia are also in that group. Yeah, Croatia Croatia are in that group. Croatia are on four points alongside Wales, but they have two games in hand on you. Yikes. Yikes. Uh, Portugal are up against Slovakia on Friday night, which is not necessarily one that you'd be tuning into, except that Portugal are 4 for 4 right now under Roberto Martinez and haven't conceded a goal yet. But Slovakia are one of the surprise teams of qualifying. Uh, They'd actually take over top spot in Group J with a win in Bratislava. So if you wanted to take the road less travelled in terms of your qualifying viewing, then Slovakia-Portugal... We've talked about Ireland, we've talked about Wales, we've talked about Scotland, and Northern Ireland are in Group H in that Kazakhstan-Finland group that you were so excited about, Jack. Northern Ireland, though, fifth. So, yeah, not looking too good there. Tell us, though, Jack, about Conmib... Is it Conmibol? Conmibol. 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 A.K.A. South American Mm. Federation, which is already getting its World Cup qualifying underway 
this evening, Thursday evening. Yeah, that's right. Um, Why so early? Well, they've just got a lot of matches to play. Have they? Yeah, it's, well, it's a 10-team, all-against-all, round-robin free-for-all. In fact, one of the kind of most perfectly conceived competitions, uh, except it's a bit different this year because of oh. the expanded World Cup. Uh, there are six automatic qualifiers and then a playoff spot. So it used to be five and a half? Five and a half, yeah. Now right, so now it's six, six and, a half. and a half. Right. Uh, and... Given that the South American team is usually quite successful in mm. the intercontinental playoff, it's you're essentially looking at seventy percent of the whole federation going to a World Cup. That jeopardy, oh the jeopardy. I mean, it's good for Bolivia and Venezuela. Right. So you know there are, as in Europe, there are some teams that may get kind of a, a bit more of a chance out of it. But overall, I think it's just. I mean, it eliminates what peril there was for Argentina and Brazil okay so it's a little bit uh it's a bit of a shame that's been tinkered with really but yeah I like mean, so many things Jack yeah like so many things we've definitely moved into the old man screaming at clouds phase of our football following lives I feel um but yeah it's, it should be interesting Brazil are kicking off against Bolivia nice and it's kind of a new era for Brazil uh, under Fernando Giniz the supposedly temporary manager until Carlo Ancelotti uh, becomes available. Okay. Does Carlo Ancelotti think that as well or just the people in Brazil? He does. So they they haven't been able to... It's, it's kind of weird. So the president of Brazil's federation mentioned Ancelotti when he announced this guy. Mm. But it wasn't really, you know, there's no official press release. Ancelotti hasn't said anything. So it's kind of a gentleman's agreement situation. Um, and it's a, it's a strange one because... Almost whatever happens with Giniz, I suppose the the better it goes, the more awkward it's going to become right. further down the line. In that everyone wants him to be a success. Very interesting manager. He's coached for a long time in Brazil with limited success uh, in terms of trophies, but he's been a very influential manager from back from his days and kind of coaching a small team in Sao Paulo State Championship. Plays really interesting football. Initially, he was kind of compared to Guardiola. Uh, but actually he sees the game very differently. He kind of talks, he's a very engaging character and he doesn't like his players to hold their positions in the kind of Guardiola style. He likes players to kind of swarm over to one side of the pitch. He likes them to swap positions, to kind of create things organically on the field. So the potential for interesting football is really high. But of course, if he does well, <laughs> then they're going to be left with a bit of a, a dilemma further down the line because they do seem committed to bringing Ancelotti in no matter how well he does. When was the last time they had a foreign manager, if ever? Well, they've only had, I think, two or three occasions when uh, others, there's, there was a Portuguese guy and a, I think a Uruguayan guy, but they were kind of temporary solutions. One was a joint manager. The other one temporarily took charge while the main manager did something else so in terms of a full-time manager I mean it's yeah it's historic would be historic moment mm. so it's going to be interesting to see how things go until then the players seem to be really excited about working under Janice mm. uh, Casemiro this week said he kind of brought a spirit of fun to back to Brazil which had been missing uh, but yeah I mean I almost certainly start with a win against Bolivia Brazil have never lost a home World Cup qualifier really in history yeah, uh, and they've they've starting this game, so it's like a they move their home games around the country, to, right. almost to make up for all the friendlies they play in Europe. So mm. there's this ongoing discourse of oh, we never 
see the fans in person. It's kind of this distance. And they're up in Belém, up okay. in the north of Brazil, which is quite rare. Uh, so, yeah, kind of starting their road show there. And I, I imagine it will be a pretty comfortable win. The, the team's going to be quite similar to what it was at the World Cup. OK, although no Anthony, of course. No Anthony uh, and no Vinicius Junior, who's right. out. So, yeah, I think it's going to be quite, a, uh, in terms of personnel at least, quite a familiar team. But hopefully the actual style of football will be a bit more interesting. OK, Nino... Nino? Yeah, Nino, he's someone who Janice works with at Fluminense. So Janice is still working at Fluminense at the moment as well. Okay. He's juggling both jobs. Uh, and so, yeah, not not huge numbers of new players. Uh, Gabriel of, Ar of Arsenal's in, though. Yeah, he should start as well because Eden Militão is out. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, strange case of someone being first choice for the country, but maybe not for club. Right, a bit like that um, Man City fella. Yeah. Oh, and also. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Neymar, he's in there as well. Neymar's in there. He could overtake Pele's international goal scoring record for Brazil what? if he scores one more. What kind of ratio are we talking about? Uh, I think he's up at. He's it's, got, uh, it's over one in two. He's got 77 in 124. And what good. did Pele have? 77 in 90 odd? Yeah, it? better ratio. Right. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? He's, it's, 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 it would be a funny, uh, I suppose, bookend to his summer, given that... Neymar? Yeah, given I'm sure that, he'd be very humble about it. <laughs> I'm sure. Neymar, who said this week that he and Lionel Messi were put through hell at yes. PSG. Yeah. Actual hell. Mm. It's the sound of the tiniest violin in the world <laughs> playing in the background. Very good. All right. So uh, do you think the Bolivia game will be easy? When do they play Argentina and teams that might give them more of a... Uh, only further down the line. So their first double bill is Bolivia and Peru. Okay. Um, Argentina, obviously, pretty much unchanged since the World Cup. Mm. Uh, the only other kind of interesting, I suppose, overarching story is Marcelo Bielsa back uh, managing international football for Uruguay. And he Uruguay. starts off against Chile, who he also used to manage. Very nice indeed. Magnificent, Jack. All right, you were cooking up anything on The Athletic for us to read? Well, I, uh, there will be a, a piece on Fernando Giniz at okay. some point. Uh, it's gone from a pre-match piece to probably a post-match piece. So <laughs> nice. I'll watch the games and see how they get on. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Tom, what have you got in store? Things cooking, right. cooking away, but not set to mm -hmm. be released for a little yep. while yet. Redacted. I like it. What about you, Big Duncan? Similar. Similar to Tom, i got a, a thing I've been working on for quite a while, actually. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> Great podcast. <Yeah. laughs> Magnificent. James, have you got right. anything you can't talk about? Yes. I can't talk about Monday's pod because I won't be in it. Oh. Hmm. Uh, Matt Davis-Adams is coming in. And uh, he will be rounding up all of the weekend's activities and anything else that's of interest for use. That'll be on Sunday, so available from Monday early doors. Lovely. Uh, well, that's it then for today. Listener, thank you so much for being with us. See, it was an international show, but it was a, it was a informative, at times emotional ride through some of the yeah, 1870s some of the 1870s excellent well we'll finish it there eh? Uh, many thanks to Jack uh, to Tom and to Duncan and to producer Charlie and you listener have a great international weekend we'll catch up with you next week 
You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Discover bonus video content by searching for The Totally Football Show on YouTube and see the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Athletic.